This is Motley Fool Answers. I'm Alison Southwick, and I'm joined, as always, by Robert Brokamp. I didn't have have anything clever today. I'm sorry. What a letdown. Robert Brokamp, personal finance expert here at The Motley Fool. Hi, everybody. Bro read it so you don't have to, and he's going to share eight highlights from the CARES Act. Wait, did you really read it, or did you skim it? I'll tell you, I tried. I tried my best. But man, if you read an actual act of Congress, it is brutal. Absolutely brutal. I couldn't do it. Bro tried, so you don't have to. (laughs) He's here to share eight highlights from the CARES Act. All that and more on this week's episode of Motley Fool Answers. Well, dear listeners, again, we're coming to you from the past. Right now, it is Friday afternoon. So where you are in time, the future, I'm sure the sun is shining and we're all just running around outside and hugging each other willy-nilly. I can hope. Right, bro? Absolutely. If only. All right. Well, let's talk about the week that was. And I'm just basically going to talk about how everyone is out of a job. Uh, According to the Wall Street Journal, about 6% of the U.S. labor force has filed for jobless benefits in the last two weeks. That's up from 0.3% at the end of February. The three states that uh, that have the largest share of jobless claims are, do you want to guess, bro? Nevada is definitely one of them. I'm going to say it's not. Oh, maybe not. Not from from the Wall Street Journal article I saw. Florida and New York. Hawaii, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Of course. Yeah. Uh, And then uh, at the bottom of the list for the smallest share of jobless claims, it's South Dakota, Wyoming, and Connecticut. Anyways, I read an article that had Nevada as first, but was even more frightening was in an article in CNBC that said, Uh, The job losses we've experienced over the last two weeks wiped out 40% of the job gains we have seen since 2009. Let's just just let that sit there for a while, huh? (laughs) Well, perhaps not surprisingly, small businesses are the hardest hit. 24% of small businesses say they will close permanently within two months or less due to the economic fallout of the coronavirus pandemic. That's according to a poll from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and MetLife they released on Friday. University of North Carolina's Keenan Flagler Business School estimated that up to 6.6 million small business employees were immediately laid off when governments in March began mandating closing doors. Um, Back in mid-May, the Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin said that unemployment could hit 20%, but an economist with the St. Louis Fed is now projecting the coronavirus uh, impact on jobs could cost 47 million Americans their jobs, resulting in a 32.1% unemployment rate. And bro, because you're so good with numbers, do you remember the other, uh, the record for unemployment in America? What percent it was? It was 25% during the Great Depression. Yes, it was. Look at you. 24.9% in 1933. All right, well, let's move on to the stock market. So I have a hard time giving any sort of stock market report because, again, today is Friday. And by the time this airs, things could be totally different. So instead, I'm going to give, instead of a numbers breakdown, I'm going to give my market report based on feelings. So it's going to be a feelings-based market report. And I feel, yeah, it's good. I feel less confused. So in late March, I was very confused because we were all being told to stay at home unemployment everywhere you turn. The rest of us are trying to work from home with kids asking for snacks every five minutes. I mean, the economy felt like it was grinding to a halt. And what did the markets do in March 
in the late March, they went up for a bit. They were rallying. And this is going to sound weird, but after a few big days in late March where we had like 11% rallies, and the news was still getting worse. I was just oddly pleased this week to see the market start to tumble. Isn't that horrible? <laughs> but I was so confused because I was like, why is the market still going up? And so then when the market started to tumble again, I was like, okay, all right, that makes sense. Okay, now there's some sort of order to the world. Ugh, just, just in case it explains it, and it might not. But they think one of the reasons that the market did go up towards the end of March, March was the end of the first quarter. And and every quarter, a lot of institutions have to rebalance their portfolios. So target date funds, pensions, um, uh, endowments, places like that. And if you were rebalancing your portfolio at the end of March, you were basically selling bonds and cash to buy stocks. So that might be why the market went up there towards the end. And now that we're in April, why the market is drifting down again. Yeah. I mean, and also, you know, if you read the articles, it would have been, you know, the market is up on hopes of the stimulus package, which obviously we're going to get into later. Um, I even saw an article that was like the um, the market is was going up because of um, selling fatigue. I don't don't quite understand. (laughs) My finger on my mouse button. It hurts. I'm just so tired of selling. But apparently that's a thing. Um, I mean, I feel for reporters who it's their job to tell you why the market went up or down on any given day. Like, I really feel for them. Uh, So anyway, it's all horrible news on top of the fact that more than 1 million people have tested positive for COVID-19 and there are over 50,000 deaths worldwide. So... Before I stop talking and let Bro take over to talk about the CARES Act, I did want to take a moment for a PSA. Last week, instead of our usual April Fool's joke, The Motley Fool announced that we are doting $1 million to help the frontline efforts in New York to fight the spread of COVID-19. Um, obviously, we don't all have extra money to donate right now, but if you would like to donate alongside us, uh, we reached out to the state of New York and we were like, where where can we help? Where, can we, where, where will our money be? be put to work. And they told us to donate to Health Research Incorporated. Uh, it's who the state of New York has partnered with to receive donations. And then they then parse out the money to purchase medical supplies and support medical staff and volunteers, again, on the front lines in the state of New York. So again, if you would like to donate alongside us, you can head to donate.fool.com. Uh, that's donate.fool.com. And it'll redirect you to HRI's website where you can donate from there. Um, and for those of you who can't donate, and that's that's great too. Um, I feel like I should just say that our heart is going out to every one of our listeners yeah. who, even if you um, are in retirement, I mean, this is a scary time for you. If you have lost your job, it's a scary time for you. Even if you haven't lost your job, it's just it's a scary time for everyone. So um, I don't have anything nice or thoughtful to make it all better, but uh, my heart really is just breaking for everyone and all of our listeners out there. So. Anyway, with that, bro, you're going to talk about how a little bit is help is on the way for people out there. Yeah, and it might be more than a little bit. I mean, so the Coronavirus Aid, Recovery, and Economic Security Act, or the CARES Act, uh, was passed by Congress, signed by the president. Uh, if you read it and uh, read about it in the media, you'll you'll see that it's worth two point two trillion dollars. It could actually be worth more. It really depends on how many businesses and people end up taking advantage of it. But there's a lot of aid in there. Um, It does span hundreds of pages, and I didn't read every page, but I did read an awful lot of articles. So what we're going to discuss today are eight of what I would say are the most relevant provisions to most of our listeners. 
Are you ready? I am ready. What's number one? Number one. So money in the bank for most people. And these are those recovery rebates that you may have heard about. $1,200 per adult, $500 for each kid age 16 and younger. Um, but uh, not everyone will get it. About 90% of Americans will. 10% of don't, won't. Who won't get it? Well, you probably make too much money because there are income limitations on how much you'll get. So you start by figuring out how much you'll get. Again, $1,200 per adult, $500 per kid 16 and under. But then that amount gets reduced $5 for every $100 you earn over a certain adjusted gross income limit. That's $75,000 if you're single, $112,500 if you file head of household, $150,000 if you are married and you file jointly. Where do you go to find that number? Well, they're going to base it on your 2019 tax return if you filed it. If you filed the regular 1040, just look at line 8B. If you haven't filed that tax return, they're going to go back and look at 2018's tax return. And on that one, it's line 7. So you can think a little bit about these AGI limits. And if you haven't filed your taxes, if you were eligible in 2018, but you wouldn't be eligible in 2019, you might want to hold off on filing your taxes because now we don't have until July 15th to do it. Um, for otherwise, if you were not eligible based on 2018, but you would in 2019, you might want to get your taxes done as soon as possible. Um, interestingly, this is actually not a payment necessarily as it's considered a rebate on your 2020 taxes. So first of all, the good news is it's not income, so it won't be taxed to you. But also, if you weren't eligible based on your past year's tax returns, but you would be based on 2020, you actually will get the rebate, but you won't get it until you file your taxes in 2021. That said, there is some talk about the government sort of finding ways to accelerate payments, because you could think of people who made decent amounts of money in 2018, 2019, but this year are hard up. They could use that money. So the government is trying to come up with some ways to maybe accelerate that. How do people actually get their money? Is it a physical check in the mail or is it is that still being worked out? That's a great question. So if the IRS has a bank account on record for you, maybe you've had refunds in the past automatically deposited into a bank account, that's where it'll go. And those will get paid first as early as April 15th. Um, otherwise, the check will be sent to an address the IRS has on file for you. But those payments are going to take a while. They're going to start with the lowest income Americans and then gradually move through it. But there's some reports that came out yesterday that said it could take as long as five months to do all of that. So the Treasury has said that it's going to set up a website for you to either provide banking information or to provide an updated address if the IRS's address that they have for you is out of date. Um, so it will take some people many, many months to get the payment. In the end, it won't be necessarily a life changer, but when you look at the average American household, their average rent or mortgage is between $1,000 and $2,000. So you could think of these payments as a way to cover that for at least a month. Although, as we'll talk about later, there are other ways to take care of your mortgage or rent during the downturn. So that's number one. Number two, enhanced unemployment benefits. Um, so this is obviously the biggest concern as far as I'm concerned during this downturn. What's going to happen to all these people who are losing their jobs? Normally, unemployment benefits are administered by the state, and every state has their own rules and their own amounts. The average in the country is a little under $400 a week, ranging from $275 in Alabama 
to $713 in New Jersey. What the CARES Act is going to do is the federal government is going to add six hundred up to $600 on top of that amount. And they're going to pay benefits longer than usual. So up to 39 weeks. Uh, also, normally for unemployment, you don't get paid that first week of being out of a job, but now you will get paid immediately, at least theoretically. And anyone who's um, experienced this, had gotten laid off, and has tried to apply for unemployment benefits has probably experienced how the unemployment offices in their cities, states, their websites, they are overloaded, absolutely overloaded. So the government is both state, local, and federal. They're doing everything they can to boost up capacity so that people can get these checks as soon as possible. Um, the other thing about this is that unemployment usually does not, unemployment benefits are usually not paid to people who are self-employed or gig workers or freelancers, but that won't be the case here. Many people will be eligible for these, including people who can't work because they have to stay at home and watch their kids because their daycare or their school has been canceled. So the government is really trying to get a lot of money into people's hands who otherwise won't be able to earn an income. So that's number two. Number three easier access to retirement account money if you need it. Now, I'm going to just kick this off by saying, hopefully, you do not tap your retirement accounts. But if you need to, you can. And here are the rules. First of all, you can tap up to take out up to $100,000 from your 401ks or IRAs. And if you're 59 and a half or younger, you don't have to pay that 10% penalty that you normally would. You can only do it if, for some reason, your finances are affected by the virus. You caught it. Someone in your family caught it. Your, your job, you were laid off because of it. Your office no longer operates because of it. But the, the, the rules are pretty liberal. So the consensus is generally the IRS isn't going to look too closely at this. Besides being able to take out the money, you actually have up to three years to put it back if you want to. So you took out some money this year because you needed it. A year from now, you decided, you know what? I want to get that back into my 401k IRA. You can do that. The penalty is waived, but not taxes. You do have to pay taxes on the money you take out. But another good thing is you could pay it all in this year, or you can spread it out over three years if that's better for you. Um, so you can spread out that tax liability. What if, say, you took out some money this year because you needed it? A year from now... You say, oh, I'm in better shape. I want to put that money back. Because you took money out this year, you will have to pay taxes on it. If a year or two or three later, you put that money back in, file amended returned, and you'll get those taxes back that you paid on the distribution. And another way you can tap your retirement accounts earlier if you need it is taking a loan from your 401k. Normally, the amount you can take out is the lesser of half your vested balance or $50,000. Now you can borrow up to $100,000 from your 401k wow. and you can put off initial payments for a year. Um, again, you have to prove that for some reason you are experiencing some hardship due to the virus, but they're gonna, it looks like they're going to be pretty liberal on that. Uh, and finally, when it comes to retirement accounts, no required minimum distributions in 2020. So if you're in your 70s or older, or if you have an inherited IRA or 401k, you do not need to take any money out in 2020. Number four, a recess for student loans. So if you have a student loan with the federal government, then this applies to about 90% of them, you do not have to pay payments or interest until September 30th 
of this year. From what I have read, I've seen mixed reports in terms of whether this is automatic or whether you have to go into the website of your loan processor and suspend payments. Either way, this is a great break for people who are, are paying student loans. It doesn't apply to private loans. It doesn't apply to some Perkins loans, but many private banks are offering their own sort of relief. Uh, and if you are participating in any kind of public service loan program, so there are these programs, if you, for example, are a teacher for 10 years, after 10 years, your payment, the rest of your debt is written off. This period still counts to those t toward those 10 years, even though you're not making payments. So that's good news for those folks. Number five, increased ability to deduct charitable contributions. Uh, so a lot of people are very generous with their money, trying to help out people these days. Because of the tax act that passed at the end of 2017, most people couldn't deduct charitable contributions because you had to itemize. But now, thanks to the CARES Act, if you don't itemize, you can still deduct up to $300 as an above-the-line um, deduction. Not a big break, but still could save you $20, $30, $40. You just have to make sure that the contribution is in cash, and it has to be to a qualified 501c3 um, organization. So donations to like a donor-advised fund don't count or a supporting organization that's more of like a think-take type of place. Um, if you do itemize, you can deduct even more. Usually, you can only deduct up to 60% of your AGI. Now you can deduct up to 100% of your AGI um, if you itemize. Um, one thing I'll just say that applies to all of this, but particular to this uh, provision, definitely consult a tax pro on this one because the rules on some of this are changing. So make sure you check in with a tax pro before you donate just to get the tax benefit. Number six, more el more number six, more expenses eligible for health-related accounts. So uh, if you have a health savings account or a flexible spending account, previously many over-the-counter expenses weren't eligible. Now they are, including many feminine hygiene products. So for the first time ever, as far as I can return, uh, as far as I can remember. So uh, if you are having any sort of over-the-counter medicines, you're sick, anything like that, go ahead and submit those receipts. Um, and the interesting thing about flexible spending accounts, at least the medical flexible spending accounts, is you can submit your receipts for the amount you chose to defer for the whole year, even before you've put all that money in that account. So if you are hurting for cash, get as many receipts in as you can, even if your account doesn't have that much money in it yet. Do we think that that'll, I realize that with some of these things, they might go away once the economy gets stronger. Do you get a sense that any of these might stay put? Like that one sounds like one that might, that could easily just stay put. It could easily stay put, but the, but the language in the bill from what I've read about it is that most of these are time limited. Mm -hmm. um, majority of them uh, expire at the end of this year and some other, others are good for 90 days to 120 days. So it okay. will definitely have to stay on top of it. Yeah. Number seven. Right, what's next? Number seven. Loans to small businesses. So actually, there's lots of aid for all kinds of businesses in, um, in the bill. But I think what's probably most applicable to our listeners is the loans to small businesses. And a small business, by the way, is a business that has less than 500 employees, although there's some exceptions. The bottom line. The bottom line is that's us at the Motley Fool. <laughs> we're a small business. Yeah, I never thought about that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the The main benefit is that you can take out loans, 
and some or all of those loans will be forgiven. So they'll turn out to be grants if you follow uh, several criteria that boil down to A, um, all the money you're spending on our stuff is required spending. So lease, rent, healthcare for your employees, and payroll. And the other requirement is you don't fire anybody. So the whole point of this is to keep businesses afloat and to encourage businesses to maintain their payroll. Again, a lot of details about this, and, and, and it's my personal experience that most business owners have an accountant. Definitely call up your accountant to find out all the criteria for this. Um, but this could be huge, a good way for people to maintain their businesses instead of laying a bunch of people off or even just closing business forever, hopefully getting us through this crisis. And then number eight, the last one, some foreclosure and eviction protection. We've talked before on the show on the, how the number one expense for most people is housing, rent, mortgage. First of all, if you're in a position where you're going to have trouble paying, you should reach out to your bank or your landlord to see if they can help. But the bill specifically puts a moratorium on evictions and foreclosures um, and provides some for forbearance on mortgage payments to loans that are backed by the federal government. So we're talking about Fannie Mae loans, Freddie Mac loans, VHA loans, VA loans. Also, when it comes to the rent, uh, renters can't be evicted from places that have been paid for by federal loans. And those landlords or companies that own those buildings can get up to 90 days to delay the payments on those loans if they can prove they're suffering some kind of hardship. So basically, again, um, lots, of, lots of resources federal and private are coming together to help people with their mortgages and rents. So even if the CARES Act doesn't cover that, reach out to people. And, and I should also add some local and state resources are becoming available as well. So check in with your city, your county, and your state to see what else is available. Because I think of, of all the things that people are most concerned about when it comes to their personal finances, it's losing their house or being evicted and not having a place to live. Yeah. In all of your research that you did, was there anything that like stood out or surprised you about the CARES Act? And Well, I would say the, the comprehensiveness of it. So you may recall back in the Great Recession, 2007, 2008, but particularly in 2008, there was so much debate about what the government would do and Congress couldn't agree. And uh, in this case, it's just not happening. Everyone, for the most part, is on board with this. It covers business, it covers personal finances, um, and, and I don't think anyone believes that this is the last of it. Hopefully, we don't need much more, but I think it, it goes a long way in giving people confidence that we will get through this. Um, I should, and again, these are just the highlights. Um, there's much more to the CARES Act. Um, if you wanna learn more, there are a couple of really good resources. New York Times has a really helpful Q&A written by Ron Lieber and Tara Siegel-Bernard, and it's in front of the paywall, so you don't have to be a subscriber to New York Times to read that. Uh, and for a more technical write-up, um, visit kitsis.com, K-I-T-C-E-S.com. That's the website of financial planning expert Michael Kitsis and his team. Uh, someone on his team, Jeff Levine, wrote an excellent write-up of it. It's a little technical because it's written for financial advisors, but it's very skimmable, so you can go through it and look for things that might apply to you. I would say that like my final take on the CARES Act and all the other initiatives that the government is taking is that a lot of people are expressing it as like a stimulus, mm -hmm. but it's really like this lifeboat. 
It's this light bulb that just needs to help people get to the other end of what this is. And it hopefully, hopefully, we're only two, three months away from mitigating the fallout from this virus and we can sort of get back to normal. I'm not making any predictions, but the economy was fundamentally sound when we went into this and we just have to get to the other end of it. But in the meantime, literally tens of millions of Americans are going to be walloped by this. And hopefully something like this will help them provide, will basically provide just enough to keep them afloat for the next two or three months. Yeah, I guess. I mean, you said the economy was was really strong, uh, but as we've talked about on the show, like individuals are actually shouldering a lot of debt, and so we're kind of uh, push. We we maybe you know, in, in on an individual level, maybe people aren't doing so hot, and they're just able to keep pushing the problem farther ahead in time. And this kind of makes things a little bit more immediate and a little bit more terrifying. How much debt you actually could be. Um, shouldering. But I guess if credit card companies, student loans, all of that are being a little bit more lenient, that's that's maybe the breathing room that people need to get through this. Yeah, it's a good point. Janet Yellen, the former uh, chair of the Federal Reserve, said her concern is that the recovery won't be so sharp because of debt, and not only personal debt, but corporate debt. Mm -hmm. So many corporations took on a lot of debt. And as you probably know, a lot of that debt was not put to great use. It was to buy back stocks that are now down 30%. Um, So that's her concern. So I think that's a good point. I also think, though, that once once we somehow figure out a way to keep the spread of the virus down, there will Mm -hmm. be so much pent-up demand for people to get out of the house and to spend some money that I think the brunt of this will be over in two to three months. But certainly the the longer term fallout could be with us for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm also of the I'm a, I'm a general optimist person, unlike you, bro. Uh, I also just I mean, I just I, I believe in uh, the resourcefulness and the hardworkingness of Americans. And I know that we will get through this because that's what we do. We just buck up and get on with our lives eventually, as do most people throughout the world. But as an American, speaking to mostly Americans. To quote the start of The Godfather, I believe in America. All right, should we stick around and share our recommendations? Sure. As we've been doing for the past few weeks, we've been closing our show with some sort of recommendation of something that will hopefully make you happy or at least distract you for a little bit uh, from everything that's awful around you. And who's going to go first today? Rick, how about you? Well, first, I just want to say thank you to Vicki Huffman and Brent Robinson who both sent photos, photo postcards, things that they took in there. Uh, in one case, in the, it looks like a backyard or something with Vicky's case. And then Brent took a beautiful uh, portrait of his, I assume it's his cat, um, sitting by a window. This rain, it's really beautiful black and white portrait. Yep. Um, so yeah, people getting creative with the photography. It's awesome. It's I, great love, to see. I love that Rick asks once for people to take pictures and he gets two responses, whereas bro asks every few I months know. for people to send him Christmas uh, traditions and he gets nothing. No. Although that's not true. Well, you did get a tweet on 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 the Twitters, bro. So oh, I did? Like, yeah. Oh, good. I'm, I'm, I'm lousy <laughs> I'm so about glad Twitter. We, I'm so glad we set up that Twitter account. Yeah, Lou Whiteman. <laughs> He said that um, it's not it's not Christmas, but him and his family had a little Thanksgiving meal. I love it. Give them something to be thankful for. Love it. What a great idea. 
Lou's, Lou, Lou heard your call. So Barry um, Williams sorry, of Barry Williams of uh, Greg Bar- Brady fame uh, put up an Easter tree instead of a Christmas tree, which I thought was a just fine idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Rick. So what's your recommendation for this week? Well, this this is a it, it's not a big thing um, and it may already occur to people. It's, it kind of ties in with with people on their balconies and it, it's a little dependent on where you live and it's a little dependent on nice weather. Uh, but it can tie in with the music and the photography because you can take a camera with you and you can take a guitar with you if you want, ukulele. And th- it's just the simple idea that at least I've noticed that our tendency is to, you know, we all want to get outside when the when when we can, and it's usually in the backyard and you know playing with. The- but take your Adirondack chair or your lawn chair, whatever you have, put it in the front yard, sit out there in the front yard and watch the world go by because you'll see people riding their bikes or walking. You end up having conversations with people that you know or don't know as they come through your town. And, you know, everybody's 10 or 20 feet apart, but you can still, in my neighborhood, I went for a walk and I found that we had neighbors kind of up in this, this, we have a, we have a tight neighborhood. It's a great neighborhood. Everybody knows each other, but there was neighbors. They all were sitting in their front lawns, having happy hour, all of them at safe distances apart, but being very social. So it's just reinforcing the idea of physical distancing, not social distancing. Just be in your front yard. Be there when people walk by. Rick, bring it back the front porch. All right, bro. Do you want to go next? Or you want me to go next? Uh, sure. So, uh, following up on my previous recommendation of getting outside, I am walking or running one to two hours a day. It's like the highlight of my day, and I need to get outside. Uh, and of course, while I'm doing that, what am I doing? I'm listening to podcasts. If you run by my house, I'll say hi to you. Okay. <laughs> we'll see now. We'll be in the front yard. I think I'll do that. It's only twenty miles away. so a couple of series that i've listened to over the past year that i really liked um where one was a recommendation from rick dolly parton's america which is just a charming uplifting series um if you like political history rachel maddow did one called bagman about spiro agnew so it's related to watergate and most of us think of watergate when it comes to that time but boy that dude was a character that guy was pulling off all kind of shenanigans so that's what I recommend. Uh, but what I really have been doing is instead of looking for specific episodes, like that as they show up in my feed, I've been thinking about what do I want to learn about today? And then I just look for a podcast about it. So for example, we've been talking a lot about the Spanish flu of 1918. Haven't heard that much about it. So I just sort of looked on my podcast provider, did some Googling, came up with a great episode from Stuff Do you, the Stuff You Missed in History Class podcast. Um, so I've been doing more of that, just thinking like, all right, what's something I need to learn more about? I will say a lot of podcasts out there, quality varies significantly. So I have a rule that I give it like five minutes because, you know, a lot of these podcasts are, you know, the quintessential dude in his basement just riffing on something that he knows something about. So uh, I've spent too much time listening to really bad podcasts to give it more than five minutes anymore. Yeah. Hey, you know, um Dolly Parton, speaking of Dolly Parton, she started a new thing where she's reading bedtime stories every night. Uh, so you can tune into Dolly Parton online and she'll read you a bedtime story. She's famous for many things, but one of the things she's done charitably is provided books to kids. Like she just, she has this great program providing books to kids. So now she's actually reading them every night. So you can tune in with your kids and listen to Dolly read. That oh, is awesome. God. That's awesome. Uh, all right. So I have a sad recommendation today uh, and a happy one. So my sad one, and mine are, mine are pretty simple. My sad one is that Bill Withers died. 
of heart complications. Did you know that? I just saw that, yeah. So, so he wrote sad. and performed Lean on Me, Ain't No Sunshine, Use Me, and many other great songs. Uh, so my sad recommendation this week is to go listen to some Bill Withers and feel sad that he died, but um, happy that he lived and left behind a lot of beautiful songs. And then my happy recommendation for this week is, um, I'm not sure, someone just forwarded it, or, or maybe I, someone just shared it on their Facebook page, so you'll just have to go Google it and find it, but my happy rec this week is um, a compilation video of Andrew Cuomo, governor of New York, um, on CNN with his brother Chris Cuomo. Have you seen this? It they're is. Very, they're, they're dear brothers um, yes. who love each other, but they also bicker like brothers, and so it's pretty hilarious to see one interview the other on CNN, and so if you Google it, you'll find there's a compilation video of them interviewing, uh, of Chris interviewing Andrew and bickering and talking about their mom, and Andrew calls Chris a meatball, and it's just, it's great, so I recommend that. It's a short video. Well, that's the show. It's edited socially by Rick Engdahl. Our email is answers at fool.com. Please reach out with all of your Christmas traditions and even more photos for Rick Engdahl. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Unfortunately, we can't get your postcards because the office is locked up. We love hearing from you guys, even though uh, we are not in HQ, full HQ at the moment. So for Robert Brokamp, I'm Allison Southwick. Stay foolish, everybody. Stay foolish, everybody.